Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey listeners, it's Phil Mackey. We're talking Minnesota sports five days a week on Mackey and Jeb with Rami. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Score North app, or anywhere else you find podcasts. If you're tight on time today and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. It's not about longevity, it's about peak. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackey and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Agree with Rami. Peak over longevity. Peak over longevity. <laughs> By the way, before we get to as long the as you get doogie, to the mountaintop. <laughs> speaking of peak over longevity, I think we just saw the peak of Rami Makloff's photogenic oh, boy. career. <laughs> Someone sent in a photo. Rami, a friend of you sent you <laughs> yes. a photo, basically clean shaven or kind of like a greasy five o'clock shadow. Yeah. <laughs> greasy five o'clock? Hold on. Oh, I was greasy in this picture, man. <laughs> Couple hundred pounds ago, no. <laughs> Couple chins ago. So if you want to see Rami Makloff, that's not even my fattest. Rami Makloff, that's not even me at my fattest, guys. Can I've, you find a picture of you in your fattest? Uh, uh, yeah, do you have one? Probably. Yeah, I think I got one in my phone. Yeah, maybe send that one out during okay. this next segment here. All at right. Phil Mackey, at Rami is tweeting at Jay Zilgad, and at D Wolfson KSTP. If you want to follow Darren Doogie Wolfson. On Twitter, you can find him as part of the Five Eyewitness News sports team and also host of the Scoop podcast, Score North app, Apple, and Spotify. And this is where we get our fix from Doogie every week, information about our local sports teams. And let's start with Vikings draft steam, Doogie. They've got two first-round picks. We just went through Mel Kuyper's 4.0 mock draft that has them taking a wide receiver and a cornerback next week with uh, with those picks. So what... What kind of steam are you picking up right now, just over one week away from the Vikings draft? Hello, gentlemen. I would say this, Phil. I think they do take a wide receiver among their first five picks. They have five picks in the top 105. I don't necessarily know if I would bet on them going wide receiver at 22 or 25. I am curious to see if a certain offensive lineman drops Tristan Wirfs of Iowa. I am convinced the Vikings are big fans of his, but he could go as high as the top five to New York, the Giants specifically. But if he started to fall, that would be an interesting name to keep an eye on. Would they move up? I mean, Rick has moved up before. Heck, he moved up for Dalvin Cook, Teddy Bridgewater, Harrison Smith. There are instances where he has moved up. But if they stay at 22 and 25, now it depends on how the board shakes out. I don't specifically know, Phil, what they think of Jefferson, the wide receiver from LSU. I imagine they're fans. But, you know, do they prefer Jalen Johnson, the cornerback from Utah, or Jeff Gladney, the cornerback from TCU? Or the offensive lineman from Houston, Jones, or the offensive lineman from USC, Jackson. You know, but if I had to bet right now, I think they go DB 
and offensive linemen, then wait to go wide receiver, whether it's K.J. Hamler at 58, the kid from Penn State, maybe it's Pittman from USC. I mean, they've done so much homework on all these guys. I mean, you can go up and down the list, Phil. You know, whether it was in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, whether it was in Indianapolis at the Combine, or virtually the last few weeks, the Vikings have connected with every top wide receiver. So I'm positive they'll go wide receiver at some point. I guess I would not be shocked if they ended up going wide receiver at 22 or 25. But if you're asking me right now, nine days ahead of it, you know, which way I would lean, I would say DB and offensive line at 22 and 25. So you're not saying, so they don't have to go offensive line. And we were talking about this to start the show, Doogie, that my colleagues here, they seem to think you have to address the offensive line in the first round. I said you have so many holes right now and holes at premium positions that I would just take the two best players at any one of those four premium positions where they have needs right now. Yeah, I mean, you could even argue, Rami, right, that, that you know, the defensive line is a need, right? Whether it's an edge rusher or maybe even a, a defensive tackle, depending on on how the board shakes out. I do think, though, that offensive line is a big-time priority, Rami. You know, I mean, heck, they have interest in Trent Williams. Can they find a way to trade for for the Washington All-Pro? You know, but if it's not him, I think they feel safer going offensive line early as opposed to waiting. Now, they did hit the jackpot, I think, in many ways, with Brian O'Neill in the second round a couple years ago. You know, and they've done homework. I mean, they had a virtual chat recently with Ben Barch, the kid out of St. John's. I mean, they've done their homework on second and third round offensive linemen, but I'm just telling you, if I had to bet right now, I think they go offensive line in the first round as opposed to waiting. But, hey, there's a kid from Boise, Ezra Cleveland, who they've done all sorts of homework on. I think he might be there at 58. That might be rolling the dice a little bit. I know Gil Brand and some other draft pundits really think highly of him. But there's a chance that whether it's Cleveland or some other offensive lineman, they could in theory go offensive line in the second round. Heck, Rami, they also have the ammo with 12 picks to move up, right? Five in the top 105. If they want to move up from 58, get somebody higher up in the second round, I mean, that's an option as well. You know, the board sort of resets there on Friday morning. You know, get through that first round, you know, and and figure out where you're at on Friday morning. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily rule out a possibility like that. I just know that, that Rick loves to trade. Trader Rick, right? So at some point he's going to make at least one trade. I would bet on him making multiple trades next weekend. I'm just telling you, though, Rami, I'm convinced that offensive line is a big-time priority. If I had to bet, I think they go offensive line at 22 or 25. That likely would be the USC kid or the Houston kid. Dukes, what's the plan here as far as as the draft goes, too? So Rick's going to draft from his basement, basically, and then is Zim and Brzezinski going to be on on Skype? Or do, do we have an idea about how teams, and the Vikings in particular, are going to approach a process that ordinarily has them sitting side by side by side and uh, communicating that way? Yeah, I mean, it's so fascinating, Judd. I mean, I'll have a better idea. I think we all will have a better idea. My understanding is Rick is supposed to do some sort of Zoom media chat early next week, so I would hope that he would lay it out. I believe that Mike will be at his ranch in Kentucky. That's the last I had heard of him. You know, then George Payton, Rob Brzezinski, presumably those guys will just be all in their basements. To me, the most fascinating tentacle to all this is the craziness of undrafted free agency. So the draft ends on Saturday. Think about it. Normally, they're all in their war room, right? And you're making calls to agents. You're getting the green light sometimes via thumbs up on, yeah, we can go a little bit higher on, on a signing bonus. Like they gave Jake Browning, the quarterback from Washington, absurd money last year to, to secure him. Like how exactly do you execute late Saturday afternoon? So the seventh round ends. Boom, you're on the phone 
trying to sign a really good undrafted free agency class, how exactly do you execute that when you're not all in the same room? So I wish I had a great answer for you, Judd. I guess I'll have a better sense early next week. Interesting. All right, Darren Doogie Wolfson here from Five Eyewitness News and the Scoop Podcast. Uh, have you had a chance to talk with anybody with the Timberwolves or anyone close to Carl Anthony Towns these last 24 hours? I, I, w- I will say, and uh, and you're in the club of someone who has experienced the loss of a parent, Ryan Saunders can be a big help, I think, to Carl Anthony Towns if if Towns is, is open to it. And everyone grieves and handles things differently, but... Uh, but this is a chance maybe for Ryan to build an even deeper connection with his star player, just with what he went through four years ago. But, Doogie, what are you hearing from the Timberwolves in the last 24 hours or so? I mean, complete sadness. I mean, some shock. I mean, there was some thought, Phil, that she was actually making some progress along the way, even though she was still in the ICU. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, just total devastation. you know. And I know a lot of people are curious, heck, league-wide. You know, how will Carl react? You know, I mean, how does he handle all this? I thought he was he was eloquent in that social media video that's now gotten upwards of, of two and a half million views from a few weeks ago. You know, he, he cut open a vein or two, you know, and I just know how close he is to his family. I think it is genuine. You know, some people think it's showmanship and, and he's putting on, you know, some sort of display for, for the media and for fans. I think it was always genuine. I really got that sense just being around him a little bit and knowing others that know him way better than me, that, that the bond he has with his dad and had with his mom was, you know, just as good as it gets, you know. And, you know, some of us have, have close relationships with our parents. Others don't. I just I always got the sense that, that Carl and his mom, you know, always had this super close relationship. I saw a video the other day, the, the day he announced he was committing to Kentucky. He had a press conference at his, at his high school in New Jersey. Just, you know, just seeing the hug you know, that his mom gave him and, and just the love in that video clip I saw the other day. I mean, it just, I don't know how you don't start to tear up, you know, and, and we've talked about this before, you know, I mean, you know, for a lot of us, we're like, you know, we sort of have wrapped our arms around the coronavirus, but, you know, until it really impacts you personally, well, now, you know, somebody we cover on a, on a daily basis, you know, somebody that we think is, is untouchable has been impacted. Heck, me personally, Phil, I have an aunt and uncle in Ocean City, New Jersey, both tested positive. They're in their 50s, you know, so I guess, you know, they're not 60, so I guess they're on the right side age-wise, and thankfully, after about 10 days, they're on the right side, you know, health-wise. They're they're still recovering a little bit, but they're going to make it, and they're home now, you know, but for a lot of people, they can't really relate because they don't really have a, a personal connection to this, but, you know, now that Carl Anthony Towns has, has just a, a tragic personal connection, I think a lot of Wolves fans have opened their eyes and said, okay, this thing, if I didn't believe it was real before, now I do believe it's real. But in terms of just reaching out to some Wolves people, Phil, just, you know, total devastation. Dude, yeah, I feel stupid even asking this question after you very eloquently laid out what you just laid out there. But from a basketball standpoint, are are people within the Timberwolves organization basically operating like, like it's the offseason and they won't be returning to the court? Or are they prepping and and staying ready in case the NBA does call teams back to the court somehow, some way in the near future? Well, they're certainly doing the former, Rami. I mean, just with the draft, three picks in the top 35, needing to figure out, you know, what to do with Malik Beasley and his restricted free agency, needing to figure out, you know, what to do with with what looks like what they should have, the mid-level exception, you know, in terms of free agency, you know, who who should they target? You know, so I know the front office is working diligently on on those fronts. You know, Ryan Saunders and the other coaches are, are operating as if, you know, maybe they'll get back at it, but like, a lot of guys don't even have access to a hoop. 
You know, like I know Jordan McLaughlin, I talked to him a couple weeks ago. He's out in Los Angeles. He's one of the few guys that's actually not in town. A lot of the Wolves players decided to stay in town. He's one of the few that bailed. You know, he said he does have access to a hoop, but he just knows from, from texting with some teammates that some teammates don't have access to a hoop, Rami. So I don't know exactly how you stay in basketball shape. You can certainly do some, some exercises at home and, and stay in, in good physical shape, but in terms of basketball shape, and just, you know, getting shots up. I mean, I guess everybody is, is on an equal playing field. But I just don't know what the heck that would look like. You know, then I think about a team like the L.A. Lakers, LeBron James, all the mileage on his body at 35 years old. How all of a sudden does he just ramp it up? You know, so I, I still don't. And I told you guys this two weeks ago, and I guess I feel the same way. You know, call me a pessimist. But I just don't see the scenario where even in – five weeks, seven weeks, nine weeks, uh, maybe in nine months. But I just don't see the scenario in five, six, seven, eight, nine weeks where, where we can see hockey games again, sadly, Judd, and, and see basketball games. Maybe there's no, a plan right. for baseball midsummer, but I just, I'm struggling. I really am. And trust me, this is my livelihood. Yeah. Like I just saw the note that, that there's some ESPN, you know, personnel taking pay cuts. You know, there's, there's a popular morning show in town that's being furloughed. You know, from a radio standpoint, trust me, it scares the living bleep out of me. What could happen to all of us? You know, like this is our livelihood. But I'm I'm being a realist, and I just don't see the path to seeing any games anytime real, real soon. Uh, speaking of, of all those things, Doogie, do we know, uh, do the Wolves, Wild, and or Twins have any insurance on their FSN contracts? And by that, I mean, Ooh. have the checks stopped already, or do they stop at some point? Because... If they've stopped immediately for all three, and especially I would guess baseball, that's an enormous immediate blow. It is. That's a fascinating question, Judd. I will check on that. I don't have the answer to that question. I hadn't even thought of that. I mean, there's so many different angles to attack on these things. I hadn't thought of that angle. That's that's a great question. Let me get back to you on it. There it is. He was fishing. Yeah, score one for Judd. Great question. <laughs> Fascinating. Came very close to well, satisfying okay, look, the committee. Look, hold on. Well, no, I, no, that's, that's a great question. All right, he already got the point. Dude. But I got right. the point. Yeah. Okay, no, we, we, real quick, would we have counted fascinating question? No, I don't think so. No. No, we said good or great. <laughs> we we said good or great. Yeah, that's why. Was, good or great question or good or great I was about point. to walk out. I was so disappointed. All right. So well, I got the great question. That but means the Judd's on the board here. I'm curious about this. That, I am, too. That's yeah. lifeblood yeah, for yeah, those teams. my interest now. Yeah, I'll check on that. All right. Thank you. Judd with seven good questions on the season so far. I lead with ten, Rami with four, and Jonathan with three. Right in your tail now. Season, so. Right on your tail. Um, yeah, Doogie, it's, uh, I, I think we've all had a hard time wrapping our heads, like whether it's from a selfish perspective, if you work in sports media like all of us bozos do, or if you're a fan or a player or whatever role you play in this ecosystem <laughs> We've had a hard enough time wrapping our heads around, man, like what if what if the baseball season doesn't start until July? And the, the the reality that we have yet to really fully confront and wrap our heads around is what if there are no sports until two thousand twenty one? Which do is that to still me. a possibility. Don't do that. No, Just gonna you're say right. it. No, let's not even contemplate that. For my sanity. Let's it is though, Rami. I, I mean, sadly it, it it is a possibility. You know, and I saw the first collegiate domino fall today. It's it's somebody we know, Phil. John Cunningham, the former Gophers yep. associate athletic really? director, who's now the AD at Cincinnati, he announced they're cutting men's soccer. So that's the first collegiate domino to fall. What's the next? I mean, it's inevitable. 
I think a lot of college athletic programs are going to have to cut sports. I think that conversation will come up here mm-hmm. at Minnesota. I think for a long time, a lot of us have thought they have too many teams. I don't know where to start cutting, but there are too many teams. But I'm just telling you, with Cincinnati, a pretty big athletic department announcing men's soccer is gone, I'm just saying sadly, I mean, I think we're going we're gonna to find out here in the near future that other collegiate programs are cutting sports as well. Yeah, it's a tough time to be a non-revenue college sport right now, I would think. You know, just like there was a start to be in report that the Gophers athletic department alone was sitting on like a $70 million gap, right? Like yeah. with mm-hmm. all the spring sports gone. And But think about that. That doesn't even count like if football season gets pushed or... Which it almost certainly is going to for college football. So, man. Well, I mean, in that case then, Judd, I mean, if, if that does happen... I mean, there's going to be all sorts of fallout. How about this angle, Phil? What about fundraising? Like, they still, before this pandemic, were still trying to raise funds to pay off the athlete's village. Yep. How the heck in this climate do you raise funds? I I just don't know. Yeah. Doogie, give us 60 seconds of any other scoops that are left in your scoops bag. Eric Wilson, Vikings linebacker, expected to sign his second-round tender. In the coming days, it'll pay him around $3.3 million. I had a lengthy conversation this afternoon with Tyler Johnson of the Gophers, and, you know, he'll probably be a Saturday pick, you know, fourth or fifth round. But what stood out to me was Matt Miller of Bleacher Report, who's a respected draft analyst, came out months ago and said he had heard from some teams that there were character red flags with Tyler. I asked Tyler about that. He said, and he's talked to at least six teams that I know of, probably more, he said, he claimed to me, guys, that, that not once has a team asked him about any character red flags. Hmm. You know, So that, to me, was the headline for my conversation with Tyler. Trey Jones committing to Bill Duffy and Associates. He'll sign with the agent Kevin Bradbury that also represents his older brother Tyus Jones. Daniel Oturu, former gopher, also going with Kevin Bradbury. Tyrell Terry of DeLaSalle, Stanford University, first team, all freshmen, you know, Pac-12, all sorts of different honors. Great, great guard for the Stanford Cardinal. He's committing to an agent, but he's committing to a smaller agent out of Chicago that is certified by the NBA. So there's certain agents you can sign with that you can still maintain your eligibility. So Tyrell Terry will have an agent working on his behalf. But because this agent is certified by the NBA, Tyrell, if he so chooses, can end up back at Stanford for his sophomore year. That is Darren Doogie Wilson from 5 Eyewitness News and from the Scoop podcast, available on Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app, inside information about our local sports teams. Doogie, stay safe. We'll talk again next week, man. Okay, sounds good, guys. Take it easy.